Hello and welcome to the Take Your Data Points and the Goals Will Come podcast. I'm Cahill and he is Brian. Hello Cahill, I'm Brian too. So uh, this weekend obviously, very very big weekend. Did, you we, didn't expect that did you? I didn't. You didn't expect my I didn't, intro. I didn't know what to do with it so I just kind of yeah. left it there. You know, like like a, like a delicious food that requires an unusual utensil. It's tempting mm. but I, I just didn't have the confidence in front of other people to try it out. It's um, it's true. I am the zany one on the podcast. The spork of podcasting. The spork of podcasting, yeah. Anyway, we shall proceed. We shall. Uh, so yeah, next weekend, obviously very, very big weekend in this calendar as we have the provincial finals and the final of the Joe McDonough. So yeah. like, it will give us the layout for the knockout stage, the All-Ireland. But before then, we're going to talk about some other important things. Important to people from less, you know, less hurling-centric counties, maybe ones yeah. that haven't had as much success, but, you know, it was, it, was, it was their big day out. It was their day in Crow Park. We're going to mm. talk about the lower-tier finals, which we intended in person, because we care far more than Sunday game. You know, we, we're, we're putting in that effort. We're going there live and in person because we got free tickets, but also because we care. Take that, Michael Lester. So kicking off uh, all of these in Crow Park, all of these Saturday, 23rd of June, start with the Laurie Maher final between Lancashire and Sligo, two titans of hurling. Mm. Lancashire 220, Sligo 415, a single point victory in what, like, I think a lot of these matches we were expecting to be absolutely dire and you know, embarrassing. I, I really enjoyed this. Just It was such a close game. It was back and forth. Lots of lead changes. Tons of goals. Yeah. This was great fun as a neutral spectator. I had a great time. Some some really dodgy goals as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the particularly la- against the, Lancashire. The Lancashire <laughs> keeper um, was not the best. And no. Init- like, yeah, those two goals, they very much kind of like toddle in goals. Uh, you know, they, they didn't have much behind them. And I was thinking, well, you know, modern hurling keeper, it's not about the shot stopping. It's about the puck outs. Exactly. And then he fell over uh, during his next puck out immediately after I said that. So, uh, you know, a possible weak link. But, you know, I, I don't think you can point fingers. I don't think you can blame the loss on him. Lancashire winning for huge portions of this match. But then the last yeah. the last 10 minutes, they just, they went totally defensive. They stopped trying to put up scores. And as we established defensively, they were terrible. Um, it was the oh, worst decision, awful. and it just let Sligo totally back into the game. If they just kept scoring away, I think they would have been fine, but they let Sligo back into it. Sligo took their chance, and uh, yeah, they there took you their see, points, one, you could say. They did, and and even more goals, four in total. Yeah, oh god. But um, yeah, yeah Sligo fully deserving. Um, Lancashire unlucky, like they definitely looked like they were going to win it for large portions, but um, you know what? I'd say next year they'll be right in it again, and for yeah. both teams, really huge improvements over the last few years. Lancashire, especially, I think, hadn't won a match until last year. Likely, you know, at all, they just hadn't won a, a senior yeah. hurling match. So, to be in the final now this year of the Laurie Mayer, it's good progress for them. They were pretty evenly matched. It had to be mm. said as well. Like, I mean, it made, really, it made a actually, good game. I, I think, bar maybe the opening few minutes where Sligo had pulled ahead, I had, I had you know, pulled ahead significantly and then really Lancashire just roared back into the game and really from that point on up until the last 10-15 minutes like was a very, very close, uh, you know, it was just a very closely played thing. I will say as well, for anyone curious about like what does the lowest tier of hurling look like, 
it's actually still very watchable. I think a lot of the skills mm. are still there. Um, the, but the condition you notice the condition you notice they're nowhere near as fast as the top level. Um, no. They don't have the same energy levels, and you just notice as well when a player gets the ball, they have so much more time. They're just they're time to make decisions yeah. about where they're going to pass to is just you know it's far far better. And you also have players. You also have a lot of cases of people just not challenging other players. Yeah. <laughs> As in, if it's too far, if it's more than two meters away, I let them off. Yeah. Um, let them off. I'll get it the next time. And I think we'll 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 get into it as we go through the matches. But you kind of saw that progression where the Lori Mara they just had so much time and space and everything that it they it ended up with quite a flowing game. Then mm. um, you know maybe the Donegal Warwickshire they'd tightened up a bit but still quite flowing and then the Kildare London it was just very it was very defensive but I felt like on the offensive end they weren't quite skilled enough to overcome that and make those extra yeah. moves to put a big score which you might see at the top level so you kind of saw that progression of you know that kind of that battle between you know the offense being better the defense being better and mm. each tier the balance kind of shifts a bit so uh, it was interesting so overall I think the Laurie Maher I think um, I think my thoughts on it, good final, very enjoyable, and you know better than what I was expecting. Mm. And it was it was a pretty close match, which I was I was you know there's a point in it at the end. Very happy with how it went. Yeah. Um, hard luck to Lancashire, and you know well fair play to Sligo, they stuck it in, they stuck with it. Yeah, and uh, I'll I'll also just say before we leave this match, mm. a lot of talk lately in uh, in football about whether or not they should introduce a tier championship. Obviously, you know, you saw like how the Munster Championship went, where Kerry just obliterated everyone else. And, God, you know, Leinster God. Championship, Dublin obliterated everyone else. And, you know, do they need a tier championship? And a lot of people then complain, like, oh, well, it won't matter then to the teams of the lower. Tradition. Yeah. And, like, oh, the lower teams, like, oh, they won't care about it. I have to say that Sligo uh, captain giving the victory speech while raising the trophy, I didn't catch a word of it, but my God, he was passionate. Um, oh, he can, cared about it. You can it. look up all these matches on YouTube. They're on the TG Carr uh, channel. Uh, so you, Fair you, play you, to TG Carr, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah. It's great being able to look back over. I wouldn't mind doing an article down the road, maybe when I have more free time, uh, maybe analyzing the differences between the lower tier and the upper tier matches. But um, for the time being, anyway, go, go to the end of that match. Stick on the speech. I doubt you'll be able to catch any any real words, but so much passion, so much enthusiasm. It shows what the lower team tiers mean you know to these teams like there's no yeah. way otherwise these players would ever get to play in crow park and you know I, I think it's just it's a good opportunity for them and it's a good way for them to keep kind of pushing themselves against opposition they actually stand a chance against because they're not going to learn anything if they went out tomorrow against you know galway yeah. or something if they reintroduced the conic championship and sligo had to play galway that's not going to help sligo one bit no not one bit at all um so i suppose next match up Christy Ring final, London versus Kildare. So London one goal eleven, and Kildare three goals and nineteen. Um, bit more lopsided. Not as controversial as their football match, um, <laughs> their upcoming football match. But um, you know, confirmed as an aside, for Newbridge now. By the way, as yeah, of, uh, I saw a, few, that. a few hours before recording. Um, I thought the I thought the GEA didn't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> they'll get their money back uh, elsewhere. Don't you worry. Oh, uh, they'll get their money. They always, they, they always get their money. They're like casino. They're like a casino. Yeah. A very, very enjoyable casino. Um, I suppose really, this was the most kind of lopsided game 
It was. Um, that um, we had to watch. Definitely. Which was for the Christie Ring was kind of unusual. You'd have expected maybe more close yeah. run thing. Well, it's something we, we said before with a lot of the lower tier matches. It's weird. Like, you can have mm. very close teams um, hammer one another. Like, they should be close in ability, but then each time they play, one will hammer the other. And they might hammer mm. one another an equal number of times. That's how you know they're close. But, uh, like, it, it does. You, you don't seem to get those kind of one or two point wins. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, like in the league, they had a, basically a de facto relegation match because they played one another last, and they were both on zero wins. And yeah. London beat Kildare on that day uh, comfortably enough. But yeah, here twenty eight to fourteen, like double their score. Um, Kildare absolutely caught their revenge, and London did not impress. I mean, like a lot of that load of those scores were actually from freeze, and I'll be honest, they were kind of few and far between. Yeah, I mean... A lot of wides for London. Yeah, I'd say the first half of this match, basically, Kildare looked much better, but they couldn't convert that into scores. They were getting a lot of wides. Um, And London were more physical, but it wasn't in a way that really benefited them, as you said. It was just giving Kildare freeze, letting them stay in the game Mm. much longer than they should have, maybe. Uh, Way longer. But uh, then towards the end of the first half, things just finally kind of caught up for them. London, their mistakes finally piled up. Uh, Kildare got their first goal of the match and London's Lee Murphy was sent off for a second yellow. So yeah, finally at halftime you had an extended lead and London down 14 players, which is not something they're very happy about. Um, And you even saw like coming out of the tunnel at the second half. And I thought, you know what, they were down, I think six points, which is bad, but not unwinnable, but they just, London came out looking so sullen. They were trudging on Kildare took to the pitch second, but they were in position earlier than the London players were. And I think yeah. at that point you knew, like, Kildare were going to run away with this. Like, London just, they just looked so defeated with the full half yet to play. Yeah, it was a case of they had already lost, yeah. really. Given how they played in the second half, there was nothing that would change my mind. It, there was nothing to see that would have said, no, they're going to go try and claw this back. It was no. a case of it was done. No, I think Kildare were absolutely deserving uh, to win this one. They, mm. Like, they wanted it more. They played less cynically. You're kind of happy for them that it went their way at the end, and a lot of people were happy. This was definitely the best attended match as well of the of the three, probably because yeah. it's certainly an easier journey from Kildare to Crow Park, and you know what? It's probably easier to get from London to Dublin than it is from, I'd say, Sligo and Donegal at times. So, yeah, uh, that much is that much is true anyway. Yeah, but um, good, great match anyway for Kildare. They now go on to play Antrim for a chance at promotion to the Joe McDonough, which. Uh, you know, they'll be underdogs, but they'll, you know, they'll have a chance anyway. And, like, if they can put in another performance like this, maybe cut down on the wides, uh, you know, they have as, as good a shot as anyone, I think. Yeah, and, like, the wides were certainly uh, were certainly an issue for Kildare, so it is something they would want to tighten yeah. up on. Um, but they did improve in the second half, I suppose, as well. They did, and I suppose the big difference, really, as you kind of mentioned earlier, is the pace is a lot faster in the Christie ring compared to Laurie Maher. Yeah, and the time for decision making is is far less. So you have a lot more, you've a lot more mistakes made. Like the skill levels just yeah. really haven't caught up with the speed at which the at which they're you know no, playing. That's it. the The conditioning and the tactics mm. have gotten better, but they don't necessarily have the the tricks to get around things as as much as you'd see in the upper exactly. levels. They don't have the same kind of skillful forwards. But uh, one note, I suppose, before we leave this match as well, and one note on on skillful forwards. Uh, 
one of the I, I saw very little obviously mentioned uh, about these three finals in any media, but one thing that did get a little bit of attention, James Burke for Kildare, uh, and top scorer of the match, scored eight points, three from freeze, five from play. Very good roundup. Mm. Um only months ago, I think back in April, he was in an induced coma with uh, meningitis, so very, very impressive turnaround. I think he got man of the match. I think he got hurlers of the week as well, although there weren't any, you know, upper tier matches. Oh, that's but, nice. Uh, but that's nice, though, yeah, just to have that. Very, very impressive. Like, they'd really, you know, as I was saying, mm. Kildare played less cynically. You kind of wanted them to win anyway. But just to add that, like, they got the moral victory and the actual victory. So, uh, yeah, happy out. Well happy done to Kildare. And you know what? With, how they, with all the disruption going on football, you know, maybe they should just make a push now. Give the hurling a proper go. That's it. Right. Our final, final. And our most our most hyped up and anticipated one, too. Yeah. Nicky Rackard. The Nicky Rackard. Donegal versus Warwickshire. Donegal, 219. Warwickshire, 18 points. Warwickshire's unbeaten run finally comes to an end. Oh, we've been, we've the hype train is over. They were, all, they were all on track for our prophecy of getting promoted every single year, you know, hitting their second final in two years, but the momentum finally ran out and... I mean, we kind of we kind of thought it would. Donegal were generally a, t- a tier above them. You know, they were coming from yeah, play, used to playing stronger opposition. I think it was just a bridge too far for Warwickshire. They put up a good effort, but it was just a little bit too much for Warwickshire. But um, appropriately enough, now the team now that Warwickshire have been beaten, the team with the longest current unbeaten streak is Donegal. They have won six matches in a row, and their last lo- loss happened in the league against Wicklow in February. So. Fair play, Donegal. Hmm. I suppose really, what could you say? I suppose um, you've kind of noted here the conditioning definitely on that Donegal <laughs> team was um, somewhat better than the Warwickshire team. Yeah. But Warwickshire, I suppose, made up for it in terms of physicality and they I were quite squil- skillful as well. Like I'm, I'm speculating because I don't really know the backgrounds to either team, but I felt Warwickshire, it's probably lots of players maybe from kind of strong hurling counties who had emigrated and probably had the skills growing up and played it growing up. But maybe not mm. quite the same conditioning. Uh, a few, yeah. a few grand solid jobs to say the least. A few sturdy yeah. boys. They definitely were able to, lo- uh, to lay some of the Donegal players low. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's. I mean, there was one point in the match, and we just pointed out it was probably the worst decision made. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're talking about decision making and just making decisions hard. You know, heat at the moment. Very poor decision from one Donegal player who went into charge a Warwickshire player, bounced off, injured himself. And conceded a free for charging, so yeah, <laughs> um, definitely not not a good uh, not a good moment. But yeah, Donegal on the other hand, like obviously football and county, but I'd say because they're most of these players, I imagine would be dual players for their club, and obviously mm. football clubs serious business in Donegal. So like they were all flying it, they were all very fit, um, just very quick, lots of energy. But at the same time, not to take away too much. They did have one or two skillful players. Like, I'd say, again, looking up this on YouTube, two things to look out for. One is their first goal, which was gorgeous. Um, just absolutely lovely goal. Uh, just, like, he didn't look like he had the angle. He didn't look like he had the positioning, but just perfect shot um, mm. right on top of the net. And then also Donegal uh, had Jerry Gilmore, who scored five points, three from sideline cuts. Oh, that was impressive. Sideline cuts, there's something we very much associate with, like... Joe Canning. You know, the cream of the cream, like, just the, the, the top, tippy-top players, tippy-top shooters. 
uh, to see three sideline cut, cuts go over from Donegal was a very pleasant surprise. And uh, and also, I have to say, like, both teams were, were roared for their, their efforts. We were mentioning, like, the crowd sizes. This did not have a big crowd, but in terms of noise per person, they were seriously enthusiastic. They were banging the sides. They were chanting. They were roaring. Like, terrific crowds. You know, for, <laughs> excellent crowds for maybe not the best hurling in the world. And um, I suppose really that's kind of brought to an end Warwickshire's um, yeah. hype journey. It was, it was a good run. And I will say, like, they were leading at halftime. And they were leading um. maybe about in, into maybe the 50th, 55th minute, something like that. Uh, but it always looked like Donegal were kind of, you know, catching up to them and were going to overtake them. Donegal just looked that bit stronger. And we kind of felt the conditioning would catch up. And then and it, it did, really. I think there was just kind of a nightmare five-minute span where Warwickshire just they conceded two goals and had a player sent off and that just kind of killed the game then for them. Like they were doing really well, but just that five minutes, they just, the energy levels began to show the cracks were appearing. They just totally wilted and uh, Donegal pressed on. Deserved winners in mm. the end, definitely. But uh, hard luck to Warwickshire too. But you know what, I'd, I'd say, as I said, I think with the other losers uh, in, the, in these finals, I think they have a great chance of coming back next year. And as well next year, Warwickshire will be playing in 2B, so they will have that experience against better teams as well. Exactly. Right. Okay. So that's kind of, that's all the finals wrapped up. It's kind of, you know, the main meat of this, but there are going to be other matches next weekend. There are um, other other finals, in fact. But before we get into that, just uh, Saturday 30th of June, we have the Joe McDonough Promotion relegation playoff between Antrim and Kildare in the Athletic Grounds Armagh. So uh, this one, I think controversial. A lot of people don't like the idea that it goes to a playoff. They think there should be automatic relegation. A lot of people would rather Kildare just automatically get promoted and they keep six teams in the Joe McDonough because, you know, it worked pretty well. Uh, Although Meath definitely struggled. And I feel like perhaps Kildare would be the same way, but... You know, I, I suppose it wouldn't hurt either to keep six teams. There's nothing wrong with it as such. But uh, anyway, whatever happens, whether or not they keep the format, uh, assuming that it stays as planned, very, very important match for both teams. Like, it's a it's a big, big drop-off between Joe McDonough and Christy Ring, I think, in terms of the quality of the teams. Like, you really notice the difference. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think both... I don't think either team wants to be stuck playing Christy Ring because I think they know really they are... If they continue as they have been going, they are much better than the opposition there right now. In terms of comparing the two sides, I suppose, you know, haven't seen too much of these in person, but like the, the ratings on the website, it has Kildare as right behind Antrim in terms of ranking. But if you look at the actual rating score, it's one of the areas where you have a really, really big drop-offs between the team, you know, one place and the team below them. It's a 101-point yeah. rating, which I think that translates to something like everything else being equal. You would have one team beat the other, like, I think three times out of five or two times out of three, something like that. So it's it's a significant drop. But yeah, I think based on what everything we know about the teams, it is Antrim's to lose. Kildare were very good in the Christie Ring final. Obviously, they absolutely hammered London. But Antrim, like, they were leading the Joe McDonough after the first two weeks. They just, they were, at every match that they lost... They were in a position to win with minutes remaining. Like they were very unlucky to drop into the relegation game. I don't think they should be there, and I think they'll be eager just to try and put this behind them and absolutely hammer Kildare if they can. 
Yeah, and I suppose, look, you know, Antrim probably won't suffer as mu- as much from the wides that kind of played Kildare in, their, in the first half of the, of the Christie ring. Uh, what I would say as well is, um, and it has been kind of noted, you know, it's a week, it's only a week off, yeah. really, for Kildare. It's a week a between their now. matches. Antrim have, what, two or three weeks between it now? So Exactly. Um, and having to travel up to Armagh as well on top of that really things aren't exactly in Kildare's favour, I would say. No. That quick turnaround um, may not be the best thing. I do think Kildare, like uh, we saw it in the final, they were excellent Christy Ring. They're definitely on the upper end of the Christy Ring, but like Antrim are not, I think, accurately placed being towards the bottom of the Joe McDonough. I think they can take on and beat any team in the Joe McDonough on a given day. Yeah. I think Kildare have a lot to do to catch up to that level. At the same time, though, this isn't being based on, like, you know, how you perform over time. It is one match, and any team on a given day, you know, still have a chance. I think Kildare, if they can limit the freeze conceded, you know, limit Neil McManus's uh, input, and if they can just avoid their own wides, why not? You know, they have a perfectly good chance, but... Same time, I do think it's Antrim's to lose, and I would have Antrim winning this. Yeah, I think I'm going to go for Antrim as well. Um, I think Kildare played well in the Christie ring, but I don't think it'll be good enough to overcome Antrim. And uh, Pewter gives Antrim a 77% chance to win this too. And note, by the way, that all the predictions, they are a bit more extreme this week, because... Extreme! But yeah, because all the matches from here on out are... Win or lose. There's no more draws. So uh, the odds calculated. Ignore those draw odds you're getting. And, you know, those those odds are going back into the win or loss. So Antrim, 77% chance to win. Kildare, 23% chance. Zero chance there of a draw. It's, so it's, it's Kyle, Brian, and Pewter agreeing. Antrim. Would we look silly if Kildare win? We would. But you know what? Anyone who wants to criticize us, were you there when they won the Christie ring? Exactly. We were. were you? Michael Lester? Yeah. yeah we were there. Is, no, I don't we think so, We were there Michael. cheering them on. I was, I was initially supporting London because, you know, brother-in-law from there and stuff. But, you know, after they, their cynical play, I, I switched over to Kildare. You know, so I was, I was there cheering them on. You, you can't say to us about being well you can say to us about being fickle but you can also say we 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 cheered for them in at least one match which is more than most people can say in hurling exactly yeah right let's move on then sunday where we have the three group you know all ireland group finals two provincials and joe mcdonough which i mean joe mcdonough it's almost like the third province it's 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 the third kind of unloved province, you know the the, mm. the underachiever, but uh, it's still there. They're still in there with uh, theoretical chance of of progressing beyond this point, and both teams will find themselves in the preliminary round of the All Ireland. But the winner of this goes through to Leinster next year, which big deal, uh, I think, for either team to be able to say that they're playing in Leinster proper, not like the the Leinster round robin or. You know, the, in the former thing where they were basically just kind of, you know, if they were lucky, they might get a Leinster quarterfinal. This is like playing proper Leinster teams, playing Kilkenny and Wexford and Dublin, Galway. Like, it's it's a big step up. Big leagues. It's 
it's something they have a long shot of even winning one game, maybe. But yeah, they're not going to do worse than Offaly did because Offaly have set the you know have set the benchmark of losing every game already. So you know they can't really embarrass themselves. But it'll be a big thing, I think, to promote hurling in those counties where they're ma- hurling is not dominant. And you know we always I think it's maybe brought out a bit too often about oh it'd be so good for the game because there's maybe a big match happening there once every 20 years and i think that's kind of rubbishy but you know what in financial terms people will travel from kilkenny people will travel from galway they'll get far bigger crowds than they're used to for hurling and that will hopefully trickle down then to club level and just maybe get get a bit more investment for the future in hurling in these counties Hmm. and certainly they're ones that have done a lot of work already just to get this far so just to be clear, we're proponents of trickle down hurling. <laughs> if the I, big teams I, do really well, then they'll spread the hurling around, and the smaller teams will do well. No, it's more like the smaller teams do well, and the big teams show up and hammer them. But the the <laughs> the away fans tickets pay just as much money. So there you go. You know, all, it's, it's all is equal in the eyes of the GAA <laughs> where money is concerned. We're, we're a long way from hurling socialism, but hopefully this will bring us a bit closer. A long way from that American-style socialism, in that everything is ultra-capitalist except for sports. There you have drafts and no relegations. And all and sorts. unions. Yeah, you do have unions. They have player lockouts. It's weird. What happened to sports in the U.S.? That that's like, ah, uh, we're getting, like, weird, you know, and, and slightly political. But how is that, like, the most social? The only thing they're willing to be socialist over is sports. Bizarre. Oh God knows, God knows. Bizarre. We're getting we're getting away from it anyway. Carlo versus Westmeath. Who do you think you'll will win and why? I am going to go for Westmeath purely because they were beaten by Carlo last time. I think they'll be up for it. I think they're well capable of uh, producing some great hurling. And you know, I wouldn't mind seeing Westmeath being uh, put in with a chance, considering they managed to give Tip a scare last year. I think they're well capable of kind of hurling up there on a good day. Um, that's not to take away from Carlo, however, who have kind of been on a, and well, seem to have, are even surpassing their footballers really at the moment in this Carlo rising type movement. Yeah. And no one's paying attention um, to the hurlers. They've given so much attention to the footballers, like winning a single match in Leinster and like nothing to the hurlers. I think it's ridiculous. But Yeah, I mean, the hurlers have been far more of a journey really all year. Um, I think... Like, really, to be honest, I think, look, Carlo are definitely a very strong team. Uh, but I think, you know, I just have a feeling that Westmead will do it. I'm going to go and disagree with you on this one and go for Carlo to win. I think... Uh, oh, I'll be like that, so... Yeah. I think, again, because they did win last time. I just think, like, Westmead have... I think they're the most consistent team in the Joe McDonough. I think they've been very strong. As you mentioned, they, you know, came came close to... Surprisingly close to an upset against Tip last year. Uh, yeah. A couple of years ago, they beat Offaly unexpectedly. Um, you know, they had the win as well with their under 21s team beating the Kilkenny under 21s. Like Westmeath have done more against other teams. But Carlo's record on do or die matches, I mean, the last match, which they had to win to guarantee that they'd be in the final, they went out and won comfortably uh, over Westmeath. The last year's Christie Ring final against Antrim, Antrim had beaten them earlier in the competition, came out hammered them uh, league final earlier this year, even mm. Westmeath more consistent throughout the league. Carlo came out in the final one comfortably, uh, but you know, it, it's not to say Westmeath have no hope. They're definitely a good team. They did beat them in the league group stages that match, despite finishing with a 
fairly significant scoring margin that last match in Joe McDonough, they were very close for portions of it. But um, yeah, I just feel Carlo have that uh, have that attitude for do or die matches. They seem to just perform that bit better in finals for whatever reason. More clinical, more yeah. clinical, really. That's kind of the thing. It's, it's like it's very like when it comes down to it, they can pull it out. It's a very like gut feeling gut feeling reason to pick them over Westmeath, but like. It's something they've demonstrated, and uh, I mean, to be fair, if we've proved anything, this podcast is more a, a gut feeling type podcast oh, yeah. than uh, then you know we leave the data stuff to Peter. Yeah. Peter does all that. If nothing else, they do also have those uh, those fun Rasta jer- colored jerseys. Whereas West the jer- Westmead, the jerseys are amazing. If Westmead are playing in Leinster next year, you're going to have to have alternative jerseys for the games against Galway and Wexford. You know, mm. you're going to have to have too many alternative. Although, God, GA probably thinking could sell you know sell those alternative jersey merchandise if we just get them shown off a bit more often maybe we should uh maybe we should bring in some some umpires some you know some umpires who uh maybe haven't made the made the best decisions in past matches when uh when promotions on the line and when the ball's on the line and not in the goal we're not gonna let it go folks not gonna let it go. We're not gonna let them off like Michael Dygan lets people off. Um, yeah. I have to say, I will say one thing. I really like the Carlo jersey. It's, it's um, pretty good. I, I, it's a treat. I was on the O'Neill side earlier, just debating am I willing to spend that much money on a jersey for a county? I, I'm not sure if I've ever even driven through there, like let alone step. I foot. nearly, I nearly would though. I nearly just, would. I'd be fun. tempted. It's a fun jersey. I also then got mm. carried away and looked at all these obscure club jerseys and stuff, you know, thought about maybe I could buy the Auckland jersey just because it exists. Malmo. Yeah. Zurich. Zurich's uh, GA club. They have a nice uh, nice kind of pink, pink accent on it, which is pretty cool. Huh. Uh, O'Neill's also make the jersey for the Democratic Republic of the Congo soccer team, which is interesting. And uh, they're a country, I, country with a lot of issues, uh, consistently good flags. I like the color scheme on their flag and the color scheme of their jersey. So, you know. O'Neill oh, sponsor us. Please, please do. Okay. So yeah, so, I give it to Carlo. You give it to Westmeath. Pewter also mm. picks Carlo. Sixty-seven percent chance, which uh, that seems about fair to me. Pretty like, decent. Two thirds time Carlo win, one third at Westmeath win. That seems about right. That seems pretty okay to me, yeah. to be honest. I kind of that kind of feels accurate for how they, their history has kind of gone yeah. of late. I suppose two teams with a lot of history and that's Galway and Kilkenny who are going to be meeting in Crow Park. The greatest of rivals in Leinster, uh, you know, traditionally, if tradition only mm. extends back maybe the last few years. But uh, yeah, another Leinster final between these two. Um, of the three finals though this weekend, I think both Pewter and I agree this one seems like it will probably be the most lopsided. I mean, it's none of these are a guarantee. We could always be proven wrong, but mm. I'm definitely more confident in a Galway win here than I am in any other teams winning this weekend. And and I kind of have to say the exact same thing. I think, I don't know what it is, but I get very tired of people going on about Kilkenny. You know, it's like they, they have to talk them up, I suppose, because it's a final. But like, 
I get tired of people saying, oh, you know, Kilkenny, like they'll pull something secret out or that, you know, I don't know really think, what they can pull yeah, out. People keep talking about an extra gear they're going to have. And honestly, I think to get as far as they have, they've had to pull out everything in reserve already. Like they've, I, they've already scoured the panel to find, you know, good players to replace what was, what wasn't working last year. And in fairness, they did that in a lot of positions. They did a very good job mm. with that. They won a league with that. But since then, a lot of teams, especially Galway, have picked things up massively. And, like, I just don't know that Kilkenny will be able to keep upping it as they come across tougher competition. I mean, maybe they will. They've done it in the past. But I just, I feel like, you know, they've laid their cards on the table. This is what they have for this year. And it might be enough, but there's no team left in the competition where they're absolute dominant favorites. You know, you look at... Like, going team by team, who's left, you know, because they could still face anyone, win or lose this match. You know, going alphabetically, say, Clare, um, they haven't played one another in championship a long time, but they haven't beaten Clare in the league since 2015, and that was a one-point win. And 2015 yeah. was probably Clare's worst season since 2012. Oh, boy, far. Uh, Cork, you know, close between those two. Cork are inconsistent, but I couldn't say that Kilkenny were dominant favourites against them. Um you know, Galway, obviously, we've been saying, like, I think Galway have just upped their standards so much uh, since the league. Like, what we saw in the league was not representative at all. I think Galway are looking every bit as good as they did last year when they stormed through and won the championship with relative Oh, most definitely, yeah. Um, Limerick, like, Kilkenny struggled to beat them last year. They struggled to pull away, and Limerick are so much better this year. Uh, and Wexford, like, again, it's kind of like, or it's a 50-50 thing. They've been very close in recent matches. And, you know, the last match, Kilkenny won. But I I think that was because Wexford had been playing four weeks in a row and Kilkenny were fresh. Like, I think it was just those last 15 minutes that Wexford faded. Otherwise, they would have won it. So, like, really, I don't know. I just, I just don't see where Kilkenny are going to get that extra momentum from. I think we've already seen tons of matches where they're way too dominant on TJ Reid and... Yeah, you know, I, I, really I just don't think I don't scorer. think he's getting the support that he requires to make a proper championship push. I I just think it's a very young squad in in ways and uh, contrasted by some some of the older hands. And I think like really, there's only so much can TJ Reid can do. That like some of their older players are kind of played, you know, have kind of been played with injuries or have underperformed when they've kind of been put on. Uh, I think really, there's only so much they'll be able to do. Uh, against Galway now I mean there could be a surprise yeah. but and I mean the thing is like, I just don't think this extra gear that people talk about really is going to make an appearance I don't think it is there with them and I mean they could prove us wrong because like they have to win three to four more matches to win in All-Ireland and as you know mm. we went through those teams no they wouldn't be dominant favorites against any of those but they wouldn't be massive massive underdogs against any of them either no there's no one that you think not. like they have no hope against they're well able to beat all those teams on a given day but it's it's not impossible, but it is unlikely, especially compared to years prior. And yeah, uh, yeah just just going back to this match specifically, I think you look at both teams. Like Galway, obviously won every match in Leinster handily enough. Kilkenny, they won three of their games, and I think all three they had moments where they looked like they were struggling a bit. Um, obviously, Dublin could have easily won their match. Wexford probably should have won their match, would have if they were fresher. And even Offaly, yeah. like, they beat them handily, but Offaly still had a spurt near the end where they kind of caught up a bit and they were only three points down. So, like, 
Breely, Galway have convinced me far more than Kilkenny have. And I think even looking at at the styles of play, Galway match up so well to Kilkenny. And I think just the physicality, their fielding ability, I think they'll be perfect at neutralising the style of play that Kilkenny will like to play. Um, like, they'll just crush them on all the high ball stuff. Um, and I think, you know, they they can probably... We've seen in past games, like, you look back, say, on the Wexford match where they just... Lee Chin didn't make a single appearance for Wexford. He, you know, he was just totally shut out. And I think they're very good at picking out these key players and just shutting them out. So, yeah, yeah, Galway is my pick, definitely. Yeah, I'm going to pick Galway as well. And um, uh, Pewter picks Galway to win with a 74 percent chance, which again I think is about right. Winning three that's times pretty out of fair, four. I think. Yeah. So, Galway for Leinster okay. yet again. Galway for Leinster is right. Um, and now, on to the main event. The one that we've been waiting for. Hmm. The one that we're excited for, a little bit anxious for. Um, Claire versus Cork. And I have to say, you know, I was I was in some some car trouble this, this morning. I luckily got it fixed very quickly, but I was seriously dreading the prospect of being... Of, of having to get the train rather than driving going from Cork, surrounded by Cork fans, because it's going to be a huge crowd at this one. I didn't want to have to get the train with all of them. Uh, it, it would have been very intimidating. You you had seen um, pictures from Claire of people with queues out the door out of Centres and Super Values. Yeah. One um, of these matches where I was, similar to the last match against Limerick, I was so grateful I had the season ticket, because... I've never needed mm. a season ticket like I've needed it this year. These like there's actually matches. <laughs> I don't better. think we've ever needed it for any of the matches we've attended no. in the last um but now, 2014 to <laughs> present. But yeah, now the the last couple, um, these are just selling out mm. so so quickly. Uh like seated tickets gone in an instant, and I think even a couple of days after that, uh at least one of the terraces had sold out as well. Um I'd say both have probably gone by now huge hype about this one and you know we've said it before the, yeah. the new format i think it really helps build up momentum for both teams um like cork don't need it probably they always have really good attendance i've kind of I've, they I've, do. I've, their I was, fans travel i was tracking it recently just for like an article that i might do at some point just to do with attendance how it impacts teams but like cork consistently have the biggest attendance of any team but uh claris has been less certain but it seems between the the winning, the little winning streak they've been on, combined with, I suppose maybe some embarrassment at last year's final against Cork, where yeah. very few people showed up. Um, they they're going to be out in droves now. It's it's huge anticipation for this one, and I think fully deserving. I I think after the Munster Championship we've had, anything less than a sellout crowd for the final uh, would be an injustice to how great it's been so far. Oh, and I think like and def- definitely like it deserves to be a sellout. I think. It's great to see like what looks what is going to look to be like a very strong attendance from Clare fans. I think they're saying roughly about half or even more than half of the tickets sold were to Clare fans, which is great to hear. Um, and even on like it's hard to ignore, but if you're on Twitter, um, or if you're on Twitter and you can see the enthusiasm, you can see people looking for tickets, you can see people kind of organizing to take over certain terraces or certain sex- sections of um, Semple Stadium for all the Clare fans to congregate, which is um, 
which is something I have not I haven't seen in a while. Um, but I mean, you can certainly see why it's it's definitely different. Ex- Last year, I think everyone expected Cork to win, and they did, and it was kind of they they were the team very much on form at the time. But now this year, a lot of people tipping Clare's favourites. Um, I think maybe even getting a bit carried away. Like I'd love to get carried away by it um, and just mm-hmm. say, yeah, Clare, no bother, gonna hammer him. But I feel like need to temper expectations that's just a little that's bit. not how clear people roll no like we don't you you can't get overly confident court people get overly confident yeah. but you know clear that's people have deal. to keep it clear people kind of have to keep it level yeah. and measured but i think like claire obviously great three game run um the last few games mm. you know big win over limerick unexpected win against tip and then as well just kind of i guess comfortable win over waterford Cork, on the other hand, you know, they've had a couple of draws. They've had some shaky, you know, games where it didn't look like they were going to win or it didn't look like they were going to avoid losing. But at the same time, you have to look at the results like, you know, they they struggled a bit against Waterford, but they still beat them in the end. Um, They didn't beat a 14-man Limerick and they didn't beat it, but they didn't lose to them either. They were able to hold it to a draw in both cases. They weren't yeah. teams that were easy to put away. And then you look at the one team maybe that they beat somewhat convincingly, and that was Clare. That was the one they're coming to play now. So um, Mind you, there was a 10-minute lapse in play in that Clare Cork yeah. match, I suppose. Uh, and, you know, 10 minutes between that and play, between stop of play and start restart of play, can mean an awful lot to two, te- to two teams at that point in time. So, you know, some context as well, I think, brought into it um, um, is useful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, like, it's, I think it's still just worth bearing. I think a lot of people are getting yeah. totally carried away with Claire, And, like, Cork is still there. It's Munster was incredibly tough. So, to reach the final, they had to have been doing something right. And I mean, you, yeah. you look at their team. Like, they, have, they haven't been perfect. They've had definitely a few injury concerns as well, most notably Cadogan. Um, and that certainly hurt their momentum. But on the other hand, like they do have some excellent shooters. Um, they always have confidence. Like I think someone on Twitter put up uh, it was very interesting, just like the shooting and assist numbers uh, for most of the kind of top players in uh, Leinster and Munster and Cork. They barely passed it, but they were certainly great at putting those points up. So like it's the kind of thing I think if. Like, they're the kind of team that sometimes... It kind of ex- explains their inconsistency, really, when you just have people who are just always going to shoot at themselves. They're not going for assists or anything. You'll have some days where they're just totally flat and nothing's going right and they can be shut down. But sometimes you will mark them tightly, but they will just be... They'll just be on form. They'll just be clicking. And there will be nothing that you can do to stop them scoring points. That's yeah. the most frustrating thing. But we've seen it sometimes with, with Cork. Like, once... If they just get in the zone... You just have to kind of hope that you can outscore them because you're just not stopping them. Um, but, you know, not to get too negative about Claire either. They have been really good the last few day games. They've showed us lots. They've made really key improvements in a lot of areas which we've criticized before. You know, they have a solid uh, free taker now. They've had a lot of good individual performances, certain players stepping, stepping up like Conlon and Tony Kelly and and uh, also point out we, something we talked about in the previous episode. Uh, we can now confirm that Davey, David Reedy's suspension has been lifted for whatever the hell that red card was for. So Yeah, which I think would have been a travesty otherwise yeah. if he hadn't been allowed to start. Um, and I think that's 
uh, like I don't think there was any way it was going to go any other way really for that red card. Yeah. So um yeah, I, I think as I think as well like the other thing to mention is um Clare's backline performance against Limerick was um mm. a lot better than they had been had been at the start of the year. Yes. Which that's is, been a, another uh, big area that long criticized and I mean I don't think it was terrible but it was definitely no better than competent their backline and I think they've definitely exactly, shown big improvements. Yeah. And as well, just a depth in panel as well. I think we were kind of worried that Clare weren't getting the... You know, you saw in the league, they barely experimented with their lineup at all compared to other teams. But I think you're just seeing now they have... Most of their starters are very experienced because they've been playing consistently together and everything. But then you still have a lot of kind of veterans back from 2013 and so on. And even a few of the younger players that have been promising coming up like it has they have a, a much deeper bench i think that we'd re- than we had realized yeah and even with like you know you have like shana mori kind of went off off in their last match against limerick and david fitzgerald came on like david fitzgerald like really impressed i think one of his, like, his best games in a long time actually yeah very actually like very impressive performance from him you know Shane Amori when he's brought on usually really brings it and of course the tip game you know big uh, I think the sub subs were massively important there obviously Podge Collins Ian Galvin in one, particular Ian Galvin too and Shane Amori in that one like they yeah they have shown uh, big improvements so yeah I think anyway, and I think go on I think as well maybe um and I know we're probably going on about it at length really with Claire um I might just circle back to Cork in a minute. But, like, I think substitutions and definitely when subs are placed on in matches, uh, definitely the Clare management have become a lot smarter with how mm. they, when they sub on and who they sub on and off. They seem to read it just that bit better. Definitely. Compared I think to as, last the game, year, yeah. as, as the games have progressed. Um, I would say to Cork, yeah, like, very impressive. Uh, great forwards. There's not a lot really like you know. I think they, I think they'll give a really, really good game. They've always um, had a, think, a bit of an extra gear for Clare since 2013. I think, I think they've always put in hmm. that bit more against them, which explains why Clare have only beaten them once between league and championships since 2013. Yeah, um, I, I suppose really, who are you calling for this? Well, Clare obviously because I'm biased. Yeah, and I'm gonna go for Clare yeah. as well. Um. But yeah, I think anyway, should be very interesting match. I think for Claire, I think for both teams to win, they just need to both kind of play to their strengths and not get too sucked into the what the other team's doing. Um, like Cork, I think just need to really focus on their shooters, feed them good balls, yeah. and just let them take those ridiculous shots that that they can make. And then for Claire, I think they have to keep going with what's been working. Like they've had really good passing play and link up play and. Yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah, it's 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 hard to call. I think Clare have been better coming into this, but it's still anyone's game. I think really, for any team, it's an open for game. Any team bar Galway, I think anyone left. It's a very very tight pack, but you know, it, it's so it, it could be anyone. But at the same time, I think both teams will want to make sure. While, while they both have a good chance of winning if they go down to a quarterfinal, neither wants the risk. I think both just really want that semi-final place now. Booked. Mm. So, uh, I would say okay. two things. I, I'd say two things. One, it'll be a lot different to the Munster final of last year. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> and two, 
Um, I think there has been a lot said, and I was reading interviews um, today with the Clare management, and and they basically alluded to the fact that they'll be focusing very much on their own play, and they won't be worrying so much about Cork. Definitely, which the big is exactly the right attitude to have. Yeah. Um, in fairness to Cork, though, it's probably the right attitude that they need too to kind of ignore the hype that's been built around Clare and just focus mm. on themselves. But uh, yeah, it's hard to pick out any one area where where either team will totally dominate the other. I think it will just come down to who's playing on the day. Um, but I'm I'm going to go with Clare. I I think they've finally kind of rebuilt the confidence required now. And, uh, I'm going to go with Claire as well. Pewter, Pewter also picks Claire, but like me, hasn't quite built it, bought into the hype like a lot of people has. It hasn't quite gotten carried away. It only gives Claire a 51% chance. So neck and neck between these two teams. Mm. Um, and it does, it does, it feels Claire have been a better team overall this year, but Cork just have a bit of a better reputation in big match situations, which it is taking into account. But uh, either way, should be exciting. Should be a big day out. And looking forward to being there. So am I. On the banner. Um, I'm sick of waiting for months to ruin. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be one we could uh, we could check off the list. The league win, an All Ireland win, and uh, and a Munster win. I think that'll be uh, since I've since I've redeveloped an interest in hurling. Getting the third one yeah. has been elusive. You know. Yeah. And the all coveted semi final spot. I I just like I I think I don't think we remember to mention those uh those three lower division finals. That was my first time being at Crow Park. I really want to go to Crow Park for like <laughs> a good match now. <laughs> like not to take away from them. No, they were they were good fun and everything. But I want to go there for like a proper like two of the best yeah. teams in it type match yeah it's kind of like you want to be there for to get the real atmosphere of what Pro Park can be like on a big match day yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so do I I really something. really want to be I mean Park one, way, one way or the other they'll have the shot but uh, I just wanted I want to do it by winning Munster I just want to get in there have it sorted have the place booked have it have it ticked ticked off in the calendar with no uncertainty I suppose um, that's just going to be up for uh, next week. Next week's Cahill and Brian to know what's happened. If if there's no podcast coming up, then I know either we're we're probably just too disgusted to continue on. So hopefully, Claire or we're still on a drunken rampage from last week. Laugh has full or half empty. Empty if it's ladder way. Yeah, that's it. Um, if you'd like to send us your drunken rampages and tweets uh, then you can tweet us at tydatapoints and uh, especially if you're that weird like Claire hurling supporter account we want to know what your deal is because those are some weird tweets yeah I'm, I'm, gotta, I, I need confirmation that alcohol's involved in at least some of them yeah you gotta lay off the twitter man you gotta lay off the twitter it's, it's maybe not the best thing for you. And uh, if, if you do want to get in contact, if that needs further explanation, if you need a longer form uh, contact, then you can also email us at mail at takeyourdatapoints.com. Do. I dare you. But you're all too cowardly. <laughs> <laughs>